Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. And this week we've got another special guest, uh, filmmaker Rob Rickert. Rob, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> oh, they're all going to think I'm a weird beast now. Yeah, beast man. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be on. So just a little background on Rob. Um, I've known Rob for a few years now. My friend Matt Stoop, who's like my trusted gaffer, he introduced us like way back. I think must have been 2011, 2012. Yeah, around yeah. there. Um, it was before I had made Strange Thing. And, um, Rob needed some help doing some reshoots and I got brought in and on his short film, No One But Lydia as an AD on just the reshoots that he did like a year after the principal photography. But they were pretty involved. Yeah. Yeah. It was like three days of reshoots. It was like a lot for a short film. <laughs> it was, it was like shooting a whole short film as far as I was concerned because we shot three days. But then I guess, <laughs> how many days did you shoot on that originally? Uh, I think we'd shot four and we just didn't get two major scenes and by the time i was able to shoot again it was clear that the story would really benefit from some radical restructuring nice and timothy you've never met rob before so no, introduce you guys first time <laughs> although i did see rob's movie on image makers or film school shorts or something on pbs oh nice and the woman that you cast as the next door neighbor in that film Used to work at Goodby Silverstein and Partners, where I I work now. Oh, did she? Tina? Oh no! Way. Is her name Tina Goy or something uh, like that? Tanya. And Tanya. Her character's Tanya. name is Gina. Yes. So I think you maybe you blended the two together. <laughs> I blended the two, but yeah, I know her. That's awesome. So I was like so, so, so shocked to the see. The weirdest her. thing happened to me last semester, which is I like I was teaching film studies at uh, San Quentin as like a volunteer gig, and I had to yeah. take one day off and get a sub because I'd be working on a short, um, and. Uh, one of the guys just blurted out, is it going to be on film school shorts? Which made me laugh because, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I thought it was like, how do they know about this? And then it through a pretty quick conversation, it became clear that almost all of them had seen my short inside. Oh, that's oh, wow. funny. Because <laughs> they, they get KQED inside. That's amazing. So that, yeah. was, that was your first one. Um, my name is your first love. Is that right? Damn, Ulrich, you're the only person that can remember that title. It's amazing. Well, yeah, that's it. a hard time. That is to the remember. title. Yeah. That's 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 the reason I worked with you because I, uh, you know, I didn't know you or anything, and uh, you know, I'm like, I was busy. I was working a full time job, and you know, taking three days to to work on something else in addition to my full time job was kind of a big ask. So I was like, oh well, Matt likes him. He's, he seems like a cool guy. Let me check out his movie. I watched your movie, and I was like, oh damn. This guy is like the real deal. Like I got to work with this guy. And then when I met you and we worked together, it was like the most wonderful experience ever. So, oh. you know, uh, it's funny. I, we've been doing this podcast for like two years and, uh, you know, you're probably one of the first people I w would have wanted to have on, but I just, you know, didn't, I don't know why we didn't do it. Uh, timing. <laughs> I didn't think about it. I don't know. But now that you're here, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I'm so excited to be here. There's so much to talk about with you, um, but maybe we should just go like give give people a background into like how you got started in film and just sort of a brief overview of your story and all that. Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, grew up in Berkeley. 
Um, and at Berkeley High, I made a really, really vulgar animation with my friend who was like really into claymation. And uh, it was about the life of the Buddha. It was a part of like an assignment. And you could do that instead of a, of a paper. And the, the laughs we got were so infectious. Um, this was definitely would be a controversial retelling of that life story. Um, and I did like a bunch of animation on the side for a long time and um, became like increasingly like interested in like what a friend of mine who I'd see like maybe once every year at like picnics or hangouts or barbecues or whatever. Um, this guy, Jake Schreier, who I went to school with, who made, um, who would later go on to make Robot and Frank. I, and I, I think it's funny. Cause like, I think that like my initial feeling was that like, I should be a little, just a little bit ashamed that this was some kind of jealousy thing. Because I was like so, <laughs> yeah, I was like so interested in like what it was that he was doing. And I kind of wanted that. And then at some point I realized like, it's not that I want what he's got. I just want my own version of this. And that like animation, I started working on another animation with that same friend on the side. And it was just like backbreaking and lonely. And I just kind of realized the part I loved most about it was like the writing and finding framing. Um, we did that one in 3d animation, so you can always go back and reframe. And I was really getting nerdy about like what camera angle worked best for what story beat. And, um, and yeah, so then from there I, I ended up applying to, to Columbia, uh, film school and then, and then started there. Um, so at this why, point, why do you choose, I want to know why you chose Columbia and did you consider other schools? I did consider other schools I applied to. I had, so I, the animation that I applied with. Uh, was really also very, very vulgar, really like in the Spike and Mike Festival of <laughs> Animation style, like just naked sunbather who happens to get tangled up with like a bird and a worm, like really just like if like, you know, Warner Brothers was X-rated um, and, <laughs> and like, and um, I sort of felt like it was this weird long shot. So I just decided to apply with that um to just what I knew were like the top schools. And so I applied to USC, UCLA, and NYU, and then happened to just be like dating a girl at the time who was currently at Columbia. And she told me that I should apply there. So I ended up getting into USC. I got interviews that I bombed with both UCLA and NYU, and then also got into Columbia and was like pretty excited about the interview. I felt like the the faculty seemed like really interested in me and like it was just it seemed like a match. The other cool thing about Columbia is it already sounds like a production company. Like Columbia <laughs> Pictures. <laughs> well, that's it. pretty interesting, though, because between USC and Columbia, that's a pretty tough choice to make. Well, what what was it about Columbia that drew you away from USC? Story, the story, the story focus and the way that they talked about it just excited me. Yeah, I got interviewed by um by Tom Kalin, who's this, you know, really interesting director and um became like a professor that I trusted a lot. And all the the directors on the directing faculty there, like, all focus on story more than anything else and like beats and like kind of classical kind of storytelling principles. It was something I knew I needed more of. So at this Just point, a- um, Sorry, can I do sure one, one more, one, Timothy? One one side tangent. 
in <laughs> in terms of story structure and this is kind of just jumping forward to like you now yeah like what are what what's like the the story structure idea that you subscribe to is there like a book that is your bible like for me right now it's, it's the john truby uh, anatomy of story for a while i was into like save the cat and there's also a good a good book that i, I on on directing by david mamet that I think has some good story stuff in there. Is there like something that you subscribe to right now? Yeah, underacting is pretty fun. I've, I did read that one. I haven't read Save the Cat. Uh, I like the McKendrick book. Like the first half of it has a lot of good stuff about story. And I also like, uh, there's a book by Lagos Egri about like... Oh yeah, I didn't mention that one, but I love that one. Yeah, and it just kind of, all of them kind of just get your brain going. Yeah, yeah. The Art of Dramatic Writing... Um, I don't know how you say his name, Lejos Acre, is very similar to the John Truby book, I feel. There's one with a really fucking corny name that is actually nice. Also, uh, Screenwriting from the Heart. Oh, never read that <laughs> one. Like, you couldn't okay. name it anything nice. else? Cool. Well, everyone now has like a full, we all have full Amazon book list now. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Yeah. All right, all right. We got we to list go them all so now people can dive in and find their, their story <laughs> Bible that they can follow. Yeah. None of them are Bibles for me, though. I think I, for me, more than anything else, it's just four principles that I'm really just trying to like underline, which is, you know, just that basic, like making sure that like the yeast is in the dough a little bit. And it's just, you know, character, want, obstacle, stakes, making sure that that's like, if it's not in every scene, it's in every other scene, you know, because at the beginning, you got to give yourself a little bit of leeway to kind of let story go into motion and have some fun textures. At least I want that. I like that. We're going to have you back on the podcast just to talk about story one day. But that's not what this podcast is about. So Ulrich, <laughs> what, what, what's your next I was question? just curious, and, and it's probably not even that important, but um, just like when you were applying to these film schools, were you applying under the guise of like doing more animation or were you just like no. trying to get in so you could focus on live action? Like, were you clear about that in your, in your application? Like, how did you approach it? I was super clear in my application that I wanted to do live action. And then actually it ended up being this huge issue for one of the interviewers at UCL. LA. Um, she like kept thinking that I was, she was like, you do know we have an animation program. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I applied to you. I'm here. You asked me to interview. Like, I mean, I said that in the politest of terms. And then she asked me like, <laughs> if there was like four movies, they had some like four movies on a desert island question. And I think one of the movies I said was um, Triplets of Belleville because I was really geeking out about that movie for a while. And she again went into her role like you do understand we don't do animation it was just like frustrating because my my personal essay was like in part one half was like how much i loved animation but just really couldn't get down with the backbreaking loneliness of it and that the parts that i loved of it kind of led me to filmmaking so let's just do a really quick overview of like columbia so I mean, did you, when did you make your first short film? Was that, was your first short, My Name is Your F First Love? Is that your very first short film? Yeah. And that was like, that's sort of like a backbreaking kind of moment in the program where like after a year of like really intense classes, like kind of no free time at all. One of the products that's supposed to come out of that intense class is a short script that you will give to one other student to direct. And then you yourself will direct a short that someone else wrote so it's like this big game of musical chairs where every student is directing a short 
producing a short and will have written one of the shorts that's being made because of just sort of the chaos of it the majority of them turn out with big flaws just because it's so hard to like do all that there's like just a summer where we're just like working our asses off and I just got very lucky because I like connected with you know my friend had a script that I really believed in we didn't change it at all going into the summer to shoot and his wife worked for Susan Shopmakers casting. So we were able to like do our casting call at Susan Shopmakers. So then it sort of sounded like this would maybe get certain actors foot in the door. And for the teen character, like we had, we had like this role, the main, main character is a 12 year old boy or actually a 14 year old boy. We had someone come in from fucking Tennessee to try out for the role. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. And so we had really high caliber actors kind of as an option or at least higher caliber than I would have so I got very lucky because I didn't know what I was doing entirely but the story was such a guidance so are you saying that that your movie your movie compared to all the other shorts that got produced that year is the best is what I'm hearing you say one one of the <laughs> one of a few that were one of a few that were like had like a festival run you know okay yeah yeah congratulations thank you I I, I guess I sound kind of cocky by saying that, but I'm what I'm trying to no, say. No, 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 because like, you said you said something interesting. You said that you you were lucky. Do you feel that there's like an element of luck for yes. for filmmakers? Can I curse on the show? Yes, yeah, fuck please. Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much luck, <laughs> and like sometimes I feel like, and I only got it with this short. Sometimes I feel like a short film just or a film just wants to will itself into existence, and things just kind of work out in ways that are just beautiful especially if you're open to them and i feel like that film was so easy and such a joy to make that i actually would have thought filmmaking was easy after that short mm. yeah <laughs> no one but Lydia was a real like wake-up call like actually no this is this shit is a grind you're gonna need pickups a year later like it's gonna be fucked up <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't do any pickups or reshoots for for your first one. That was all just in the can and and done. No, we did like a very small amount. We went back the next summer and like got like a macro shot of her foot like crossing over like the grass. It wasn't her actual foot. It was a stand-in. <laughs> and like right, right. a couple other shots of him mowing, but it was like an afternoon. It was I mean, it was actual pickups not like what we did <laughs> right not not like actual like you know re reshooting us a, a whole scene or reshooting whole parts or whatever you know yeah i was just missing a few of the textures of him like mowing the lawn just to feel like it was actually hard work because the first time it kind of needed wow. to feel that way and our lawnmower blew up so oh yeah and <laughs> even with the lawnmower Crazy. blowing up i felt like it movies this is easy <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i mean i want to just pause it's interesting that all your films you've done reshoots for every single one of them mm. and i've done zero reshoots i don't know Me timothy too. yeah i've never i've never done a reshoot and i think part of that's because i work in the commercial industry and we we've never done reshoots on a commercial so it's like it's not even in my head as like something that's possible to do yeah yeah i just it's never have the money 
or or and then I always right. just say fuck it, we'll make it work. It's fine. And uh, well, we just we just did the music video, and I, I feel like there's stuff that's missing. And y- you were asking me like, is there anything we can go pick up? And I was like, I don't even know. Like I, my brain can't even like fathom what that would mean. Like oh, yeah, we could go back to the 16th Street Station and set everything up again. And I'd love to shoot another day, but like pickups, I don't know like what what I would pick up and how I'd even shoot that and what would help help the story out. Yeah. Like it's just. It's like beyond my brain right now. Well, I'm going to just compliment Rob. I think he's really, really good at that. Like, like, like really good at figuring out like what you need to tell the story and then in a better way. And then also at the same time, things that you don't cost a lot to reshoot, like, oh, little Mm -hmm. inserts that you can get, little pieces that are going to really help you uh, communicate what you want to communicate to the audience. And, and like, you can just know that. And, like, I have, I'm, like, whenever, when we were talking about (laughs) reshoots with, uh, you know, uh, Four Pounds of Flowers, and and we, I wasn't really involved with the reshoots, but you, you, we had a couple conversations, and you were, like, I was, like, how did you, how do you know that that's what you need? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but you went and got them, right? So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Thanks, man. It is impressive. Close-ups, too. I think, I think that's a big part of, like, you know what separates filmmakers is like the ability to like understand your story that deeply and then and like not not saying that Timothy and I don't understand our stories or whatever but it's like pushing to get that last bit and saying it's it's not good enough as it is now i need this one last shot in order for it to be right. perfect and like i think what i do personally myself is like oh it's fine like I wish I had that, but we don't. So it's fine. Like, that's what I right. say. And I feel like I shouldn't say that. Like, I shouldn't or just say it's, it's fine. good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Fine. These are words that we should like eliminate. And I think that you do that naturally, Rob. And, and that's pretty amazing. I do that naturally in some things, but others I don't. And I'm getting that same lesson working with, uh, with Joe. I know we'll talk about that later, but, um, you know, here's somebody that like, every aspect of like kind of what he puts out publicly is like very cared about, you know, and, and that it always seems to be like, it's given the treatment of like, this is the most important thing. No, we have to make the very best possible t-shirt as a perk for our campaign. Right. But then like the (laughs) t-shirts like sell out, you know, and he like over reaches his ask and like, you know, it's just, it, I think, that that neuroses is actually kind of pays off if you can live <laughs> yeah. with that constantly. It's painful to live, right? With. Yeah, but it's also something you can't force. Like if it's not in you, it's just not in you. Yeah. You don't have to like pretend to be that neurotic. That's true. That's totally true. <laughs> <laughs> you just drive people crazy. So I guess the main thing just to. Cl- cap off well i don't know timothy what do you want to talk about now there's so many different directions to go in but like help me focus here (laughs) well as i'm like sitting here listening to this conversation unfold i realize i know nothing about rob so i can't help you so i feel like maybe in the future i should probably do like a little (laughs) pre-interview with people because like you know way more about him and his story so we're at columbia he just made his his film school short right do you want to talk about how it got on pbs do you want to talk about festivals that played or do you want to go on to the next film? I think I think we should briefly how... go over that, like like the reception of that movie, because it's pretty amazing the places mm. this film played and everything. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Oh, go uh, go, Rob. Okay, I I go <laughs> uh, with the first short. Yeah. Yeah, the first short, man. <laughs> okay, so it played. Yeah, I mean the the big kind of 
exciting thing was that it did end up playing on film school shorts. Uh, it played at Telluride. That was like maybe the biggest festival. And it won awards at um, Napa and Florida and uh, SF Indy. And it went to just a bunch of other places. And I didn't get to go to any of them because I was on like the pizza falafel budget in New York. Um, I used a bunch of music that um, I may or may not have had the rights to. I'm just going to put it that way for the record. <laughs> I had to like make uh -huh. new music for the um, when it played on PBS. Oh, um, but it played at every festival without because the thought was like, if I get slapped with a cease and desist, like whatever, it's like already I've played. already played, Man. right? <laughs> right. And um, yeah. And when it sold, I had done like the SAG student um contract, and so like the first people to get paid were all the actors. They were all SAG, nice, um, almost all of them. And so after paying for the new music and paying the actors we had about like 30 bucks left over it was like really amazing wow <laughs> but that like was obviously just a drop in the bucket to like what the short cost it was like a what although it's a pretty sh cheap short actually it was like British shorts go three three thousand bucks total yeah, yeah. That's, that's super that's cheap. pretty good i i'm massively jealous right now because it sounds like your first experience out of college was like so positive and it sounds easy. Like, is there any heartbreak in the story? Like, did you submit to Sundance and you didn't get in and was like that, that really heartbreaking? Like, is, you know, when did it start getting hard for you? Total, that, that stuff was heartbreaking. Like, I stupidly spent a year just applying to the kind of festivals that you would hope to premiere at. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And a year was wasted on, like, Sundance, Tribeca, and, like... um can like just like what apply to other festivals and then at some point i just was like all right i'm going on without a box and i'm submitting to every festival that looks like it's like a legit big time festival as long as it's under a certain price point and as long as i'm like the first person to submit so that it's cheap yeah mm. how much did you nice. spend on submissions for that film um Do you remember a lot like i think i spent like maybe 600 bucks or something mm -hmm. yeah i'm not including Sounds that about with right three thousand so i guess three thousand six hundred was the cost of the film wow <laughs> yeah nice it's a significant awesome. portion of the budget <laughs> and then when it got yeah. into palm springs i didn't really know if that was like a really good thing or not i was like should i premiere there i was thinking about yeah. recutting the film <laughs> a guy at slam dance called me and said I love this short, and I just want you to know you were like the last film that we chose not to screen as we were finalizing. I would rather not did get give that you call. Reason? And I've gotten that call with this most recent short, too. I've gotten that call like, it sucks. You don't want to hear that. It's like you were this close to making it in, but you didn't make it. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Well, I honestly, having never gotten that phone call, I'd rather get that phone call. Actually, I got that, that once. Call. I got that with uh, an email from the New York Horror Film Festival. They they emailed me about Brother, and they're like, "I loved it. A lot of the board loved it. It's just it not enough of us loved it, and it, and it just got cut." And I was like, "Ah, damn it!" And and that was a rough cut too. So I don't know. Hmm. I think that's all a thing about rough cuts. Don't submit rough cuts. Yeah, don't. Submit uh, yeah, I don't cuts. know. I don't know if hearing that your film almost made it into a festival is any better than just getting that email that says sorry you didn't make it because 
I guess well, it gives you some encouragement that you're this close. I mean, yeah, I mean, it means that you're close. in you're in the conversation. You know, if you're yeah, if you just get I that guess. email, then like you know, for all you know, you you're no just idea. a little wanker. You know, right. like who cares? It still hurts, Ulrich. It still hurts. It fucked me up though because I asked him what he thought could be the thing that would change. Yeah, and he was kind of like, "Well, it's hard to say." Like, because I liked it, and then I was, I was like, "Well, what did some of the other people in the room say?" He's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could make it a little tighter. <laughs> and so when it did get into, when it got into Palm Springs, I was kind of, I called my professor and was like, should I, should I like play here or should I just be like, should I cut it tighter? I don't know. I was having this like weird neurotic moment. He was just and like, it's a good festival. Say? Just finish it and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with my film. I, I finished a, a 20 minute short and I've shown it. At this point, it's been out there and there are a lot of comments about it could be shorter. And I've just come to the conclusion. It's like, that's the movie I made. I'm not going to go back in and mess with it. I'm not I'm not going to George Lucas it. I'm just going to. It is what it is. That's, those are the decisions I made. And I'm just going to stand by. Them. You know, for right or wrong, you got to go with your gut. Because if you, you know, cut your movie down and make it something you don't want it to be. And then you screen it that way, then that's not as good. I mean, I I did that with Strange <laughs> right. Thing too. Like I cut out a pretty integral part of it at one point, and it's out till this day, and I'm fine with it. It's really hard to know when to listen to other people and when to just ignore them because everyone has an opinion, especially if you ask them what they think. They're gonna tell you something, and you ask a hundred people what they think about your film, and you're gonna get a hundred different answers. It's like, which one do you listen to? I do think that when you get notes, like sometimes a lot of people will give prescriptive notes and tell you like how to fix something uh-huh. and i feel like nine times out of ten those notes suck mm. but if you ask further you can root back to the thing that didn't work for the person right and those that's usually the gold the gold is in there somewhere i don't know i feel like i agree with you though that like by the time you get like a few inches away from like breaking the tape at the finish line mm-hmm. it's just you alone like making that decision there, there should be no one else's voice in the room. And you really got to go with your heart by then. Mm. Yeah. And it's a tough thing to do because I, I don't know about other filmmakers, but me, myself, I don't completely trust myself. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm always like doubting whether or not I'm making the right decisions or whether I'm not, I'm smart enough to make the right decisions. And, mm. you know, that, you know, that insecurity definitely, you know, casts a lot of doubt in, into the process. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but I think everyone faces that doubt. I don't know. Do you face that doubt, Rob? Doubt? All the time. Hey, all the time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish you would have said, like, doubt? No, never. Well, no, like, confident wherever I am, it always feels like it's the farthest I'll get. When we were at uh, Telluride, <laughs> um, my friend Darren and I, it was like the first night. He was the writer, Darren Anderson super talented and uh we were on the gondola going up and it was like just like getting dark and like all the little lights were twinkling and it was beautiful and it was really quiet and he just said look back rob this is the highest our careers will ever get (laughs) (laughs) that's that's amazing that sounds like it sounds very magical. It sounds like the the ride at Disneyland when you're on the little boat and you're going through the miniature village and all the all the lights are twinkling. Yeah. It sounds great. Oh, uh, so what a, so what pretty. an image! It was such a beautiful way to shit on the pretty picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sounds like something I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, 
All right. Well, I don't know. So I guess we should talk about No One But Lydia a little bit. So was that your 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 thesis film at Columbia? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know that it would be because you can make like a thesis and a non-thesis. And I really wanted to do another film, but like it just wasn't possible with like time and money and stuff like that. I bet the reshoots hurt that, right? Like if yeah. you hadn't had to go back and do reshoots, you probably could have spent that next summer making something else, right? Totally. Yeah, or at least writing something else. I'd written a ton of short films. I like sat down for two months and just wrote every morning. And I was writing a lot. And I just started writing like, I started playing with like actual things that had happened to me or places I'd been in my life that were just embarrassing or like, like scary. And then like that kind of sprouted out of like a true humiliating event that i just like turned it up a notch mm. yeah nice i'm just like trying to get an ex back and like just kind of paranoid like spying on her a little bit and like <laughs> seeing what she's up to <laughs> and i was like this is so good but like so unbelievable for anyone older than a teenager so i gotta go teen again even though when i did it i was like a young man it's <laughs> like totally yeah stupid that's the one that's like the most there's the most meat for like a podcast like this in some ways because i feel like i went into that with one other major element that was sort of about who i was as a teen that was like really embarrassing i was like the stereotypical like white boy rapper type mm -hmm. in high school <laughs> uh, that was kind of the protagonist that i had envisioned and my protagonist was like he grew up at berkeley he like had some knowledge of like political stuff but not very much and in my my idea of the backstory he had been assigned like the autobiography of malcolm x to read in like a history class and, and throughout the short this kid keeps using quotes from the autobiography of malcolm x to justify stalking his ex-girlfriend <laughs> which i thought was just kind of hilarious and he had, and then he had this like black like best friend who's like sort of trying to like talk him away from it all <laughs> but then in the casting like there just wasn't like all those like really flashy like white boy kids that i was like trying to i was like oh yeah you're kind of like the current version of what i was none of them wanted to be on screen like i couldn't get any of them to come in for like a casting call hmm. and then the kid that was the great like sincere like perfect for like the sincere black best friend i was just like I have to write it for this kid now. So you rewrote the whole thing around a reef? That summer, which is, I think, part of the reason why pickups were so necessary was like, it really needed one more draft. Mm. It really needed one more draft when we went into shooting. Because mm. I started the summer in the Bay Area, casting calls and like had a script. And by the middle of the summer, I had to change it. And then the other major thing that happened with the casting call, I mean, the shirt the the as a professor of mine said like the script is the shirt you have to tailor the shirt to fit the actor once the actor's cast and i love that because mm. i think that's such an indie principle like you're not always going to get someone that just nails it and oftentimes the actor that's the best maybe just isn't even the person you imagined mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and so like another person that came in for the lead not knowing that there's a bunch of like crazy scenes like for like scrambling over fences and like running and all this stuff. A kid who came in for the lead um, just based on the sides was Jeremy, who's like got CP and is in a wheelchair and 
was just like really good. And I was like <laughs> stupidly thinking like, man, this kid, maybe we'll make a short with him some other time. I like met him for coffee just to meet him more and like kind of get to know him. I told him that I couldn't give him the part because he couldn't, he wouldn't be able to do the things he needed. And then we got talking about his disability a little bit and he was like, so cut and dry about it. Didn't want to be treated like he's fragile, cursed like a pirate and like had some really strong feelings about acting and told me some stories about his life. And I was just like, this is great. This like goes against so many like stereotypes and this kid could be really fun and and like get some good laughs because of that and mm -hmm. it turned out that he ended up looking like the kind of best friend character that i cast for a reef and so it's just like oh my god is as i'm doing like the rewrites i'm like i'm not coming back to berkeley high and like making another short film about a teenager i'm like fitting this kid in now and he's you know he's gonna be the tag along friend while his brother and his friends are always smoking weed this kid his his only mo is like he's just trying to tag along and smoke their weed but his brother is like a little protective of him and doesn't want him to smoke <laughs> <laughs> yeah and obviously so just to like interject really quickly here like timothy you've never seen no one but lydia right no because it's not online right exactly i've, I've seen the trailer <laughs> <laughs> none of your movies are online before, Rob. Wait, why, why, none yeah, of, no but before we get into that it's movies before we get into that because I, I think that's important but i want to just <laughs> yeah, make a sure. point about being flexible with your resources like i love that you you've changed you change your characters in the casting process and i feel like that that principle goes down the line too like with locations and art department and cinematography totally. like anytime you come up against something that doesn't match what's in your script you that's an opportunity an opportunity to change something and may, maybe make it better and i think that the the danger sometimes is you write a script and you fall so in love with it and you try to back in everything that you can into that that script and if you don't have the money you don't have the resources to pull it off then it's gonna kind of fall flat yeah. So I like that this idea of like being flexible. Yeah. But totally. But then to Alric's point, why are your movies not online? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where can we see them? Um, if people want yeah, to watch it's them, where funny. Can we see I mean, them? I guess like listeners could email me and I'll send them <laughs> private links. Dude, so the third no, short, that's the such third a waste short of time. is doing a festival run right now. Well, that that has legitimate reason, so what? But, but why are the other ones the second, not online? The first short, I don't have online mm. rights to. What do you mean? I sold them away when I did the deal for KQED, and it's annoying. Like, I don't have online rights for the next, like, it was like seven years when I signed it, so we're almost there, but the deal that was made the the ne very next year allowed KQED to put the film on as like a part of their film school shorts website. And I need to just keep, I kept following up with the company, this little fucking company in, in the UK. There's always like a different person who's like the point person every time I try to reach out to them and they can't, they just can't seem to like, let me change that rule. And I think at one point KQED was like, yeah, I think we could like find some just small amount of money in the budget to like, you know, pay a little more to have it online. And I told this company like, that is 100% yours if you can just change this contract. And then I just went down like an ugly hole of like, they were too busy to do it now. They were looking for the contract, blah, blah, blah. And then it just, 
I just lost energy wow. or turned into the next thing. And then no one but Lydia, I'm sort of strategically waiting to drop that. I think that there'll be a point where it's useful. I, I'm kind of waiting for the right moment. Arif, the lead, has now got like about a million followers on his um, podcast. So I'm excited. Like he can at least give me the, the Arif bump will actually mean something. <laughs> okay, so or my name podcast, is your I'm first sorry, love. On, um, on YouTube. On YouTube. YouTube. Azers. Yeah. My name is your first love. You you can't put it online because you signed a deal with KQED. Not with KQED, that, with a weird like in between with the distributor. Yeah. Okay, and set it was a seven year deal. Yeah. So they own like they don't own Videogram rights, meaning like Videogram referring to like from anything from like Betamax to like DVD to like whatever other device it is that's used to watch movies where you put a thing into another thing to play a movie <laughs> yeah that i own the rights to would you that's it. if you could go back in time would you sign that deal again totally because then it played i mean then my san quentin class wouldn't know me or you wouldn't have seen it or you know <laughs> it was great <laughs> when's the right time to put no one but lydia online like what are you hoping is gonna happen well i, have, you put it so I have a feature project that i've been working on for a while and actually, Darren Anderson is like taking the reins in a major way and like starting to like restructure it and work on it while I'm fucking way busy with some other story restructuring and another project that I'm co-producing. But um, I want to drop it at the time that that feature script feels like it needs some mm. little bump. Interesting. Yeah. Ark and I don't work that way. We just put it out and just have it live out there in the world yeah. so people can find it whenever they want. And and also just like, tr well, we try to like strategically release them so they can get as many views as possible when they get released. But yeah, it's it's about like just having them available. And, uh, you know, I, I had an offer for a strange thing to have it, um, you know, be kind of sold to these different like direct TV and VOD sites and, and avenues around the world or whatever. And then I even like started the process of taking it offline. And then in the middle of this process, I was like, I, I got this feeling like I can't take it offline. Like I need it to be online. Like my 62,000 views or whatever total 120,000 views that it has. Like I just, I don't want to let that go. So I'm, I think I'm going to email the other site that has it on YouTube and be like, put it back up. <laughs> like I just, you know, cause they didn't delete the link when they took it down. They just hit it so they could put yeah. it back up. But yeah, I just don't think I can uh, live without my movie being online, especially since it's like the most successful online thing I have. Um, yeah. But I think our point for you, Rob, is like you don't have a big online presence right now. No. Like if somebody's trying to search for information about you, not only can they not see your shorts, but there's like not really a website. There's not really like a landing page for you. It's like scattered information. Like is that is that purposeful? Is like that is that a part of your intrigue as a filmmaker or are you just you're just lazy i, I think it's the latter <laughs> it's not laziness this shit is a full-time job you know it's a it's more than a full-time job you got to keep a lot of pots simmering uh, there are websites associated with each one of the shorts and i was with my sister sort of trying to get a web because she does web development and design and stuff and she's made all those websites with me and she started a personal website for me, but it's not very, like, it's not close to finished yet. And I'm not feeling great about it. But it is, it does exist. It's just 
Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking up. I feel like a, a website at the very least. I mean, because, you know, if they type your name, you can find your Vimeo and you can see your trailers on Vimeo. But it's very like, you know, it's not very robust on your Vimeo page. Right. At, if if at I least. click on about on the Vimeo page, Rob Richard joined eight years ago. This person hasn't updated their profile yet. Oh, really? Yeah. I should do that, too. Oh, uh, yeah. fuck. Man, <laughs> At least yeah. just, like, a little blurb would be nice. So You know, I now, think I now need to, like, get a personal you know. assistant or something. Like, I've always felt, like, a little fucked up about this, but, like, you know, whatever. I teach I teach film. I know that I have a million students that would be, like, down to just, like, put in a good, like, week of work to help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I need to just do that. Yeah. I think, at the very least, a website. And then, like, you know, a list of all your accomplishments. Like you've played at these, you know, all these big film festivals. Like you played at San Francisco International with No One But Lydia. Like, you know, you've got a lot of clout out there. But like, you know, by typing you into the your name into the internet, you wouldn't know that. You know, <laughs> which is like <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> Although I beat yeah. out, I beat out the other Rob Rickert. He's a painter of ducks and sunsets. And that was the first thing that would pop up. <laughs> That's uh, good. And I beat I, him out. Yeah. If you search my name, I'm in the Google image search. It's true. First. You you come up. Yeah, you come up first. I, I had the same thing. There's a Timothy Plain Cemetery in uh, Norton. Some, yeah. You know, I forget where it is. Norton, Pennsylvania or something like that. And yeah, for a long time, I was not the number one hit when you searched Timothy Plain. The cemetery was. So I'm proud of that. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, before we lose you, the big thing that I want to cover is like, what are you doing for a living? Like you've, you've, you're an accomplished filmmaker, but are you making money only through your films or it sounds like you're teaching or are you also Ubering or like doing Airbnb <laughs> or anything else to like pay the bills? No, I, um, I do like freelance directing work here and there. Like in 2015, I was like, got like just a ton of ad work, um, through Sprinkle Lab. Uh, which is a production company around here. And um, that was really good. And a couple of other things that Ulrich helped on that were just like kind of word of mouth, like the company my sister worked at where I just produced it, you know, with Ulrich actually, and just like kind of did well in 2015. And this year I've got like one thing that we just wrapped that was similar where it was like you know friend of a friend kind of like kind of expensive shoot but i just sort of did it ourselves really fun really fun shoot shout out to ink academy (laughs) yeah yeah but like um that teaching that's it i haven't been doing the uber thing at all like in 2015 when i got my first check for directing something i was like oh fuck this is crazy (laughs) i might be able to do this and that year was so successful i was like man if i could just have a year like this every year i'll be all right yeah and then the next year i got no work it was like crickets chirping and i put a lot of time into putting together bids for different companies and trying to like really like develop it's a lot of work just to get the work. And if you don't get the mm-hmm. work, then it's a lot of time wasted or it feels that mm. way. Yeah. What do you think happened in 2016 that you weren't getting work? I'm not really sure. You know, I mean, I only have one. I'm only one gear in, you know, the machine of it. And I kept doing my part of the gear the same. And so I don't know if it was the climate or like different asks that the company made or, you know, I, I'm not sure. But we really struck out enough that I was kind of like, wow, this is this is notable. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing that would help would definitely be a website with 
uh, all your work, on, especially commercial work, on it. Yeah. So if somebody like searches you, they can find that. Because yeah, if uh, if I search your name, none of your commercial stuff comes up. It's all the film work. And if if you want more commercial work, I think that definitely is going to help. Totally. Yeah. Well, you do have the reel there, though, right? I think I saw that on your Vimeo page. Yeah. No one cares about reels, though. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, reels. The whole reel conversation is very interesting because uh, I feel like it, I go in circles with this. Like I sometimes people are like reels are important, and then some people are like, no, reels are are not important. I think we've discovered uh, on the show though that reels aren't important, right? But it's for, all about for the a director. Work. Yeah, I think I think uh, Martin and Justin said it best. A director's montage reel is really a DP reel. Yeah, because a director a director's job is not just to make beautiful shots. It's about performance and pacing telling a story so i think you have to see the full piece yeah i think you have to just have a website with your the five best pieces that you have so i i know there's a lot more to talk to you about rob but the thing that i really want to hear about which i think is really relevant to to us and to our conversations and things that we've talked about before is um the sf film society and your involvement with their uh with their residency this program like i don't even really know what it's called but uh do you just want to talk about that a little it's called Filmhouse. Yeah, Filmhouse. So, how did this come about? Did you apply for um, like the a grant or with them, or did you apply for this specific program? Like, how did you get involved with Filmhouse? Yeah, on their website, they have um, there you can apply just for the residency, and they have like they have like a fair amount of um, money grants every year for fiction filmmaking, which is like fucking unheard of, right? Yeah, um, and. Uh, and yet, uh, I have not applied for any of those just yet, although I do intend to soon. Yeah, I applied with a feature project that was, um, to be perfectly honest, like really very underdeveloped. Mm. But the idea was that I'd be there writing and developing it. And it it's become like a resource for me in so many ways. I think the biggest way is like, you know, through that process, being there, meeting all the people, giving somebody some notes to help them yada yada like i ended up meeting joe talbot who i ended up becoming a producer on his short and now i'm a co-producer on this feature that's in development probably very soon to shoot we'll see there's something about having a community that you go to weekly that you're expected to be at weekly that i think is really important and it it, it felt like film school again in a way ideas just sort of bouncing around and what was the application process like? Was it just one application and then boom, you're in? Or did you have to go like do a bunch of interviews? Or how did you get in, in that program? It was just the application. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and wh- how much money did you ask for? Because I, I, I did that application last year. And I was like, this is, this is a smart way I was thinking. They have all this money. And I'm just going to ask for like a tiny, tiny piece of it. And how could they say no to me? Like all, all I'm asking for is just to kind of like have a place to sit, be expected to be there like once a week and just like get some time away from work to work on a screenplay. And um, yeah, I think I asked for just like a few thousand dollars or something, but they said no. So my, my technique didn't work, but that was, that was the way I went into it. Um, how much, how much money did you ask for I, from them? I didn't ask for anything. I just only applied for the residency, which is, they don't give you any money. Oh, maybe that's what, what I did wrong. They just give you a table. <laughs> you know and in my case it's a big communal table some people get offices but i haven't gotten that and i the second year came around and they just sort of kept me on even though my term was up 
And I think that was in part like, it was almost like the, you know, coach calls his player into the fucking, <laughs> into the office and is like, <laughs> all right, what's going on? They, they, they kind of said this woman who's like really, really supportive, <laughs> um, Amanda Todd, who's no longer there, unfortunately, but is wonderful. She, she pulled me in and was kind of like, hey, like everything that's going on with Joe's short has been great, but we brought you in to write your feature how's that been going <laughs> knowing the answer yeah that's part of the reason that i had to reach out to darren and try to get his help with the feature a little just because the momentum joe has i want to like keep lending a hand to because it's it's a rare kind of momentum and i think it's important to like not let my life completely hit a step stop and stand still on his yeah. behalf yeah so do you think like the the mentorship at film house is really like and the community that's like really the benefit of being there is like you get you get these people who are kind of helping you throughout your process whether it's you know post-production writing whatever yeah having a room to meet with people and having a space where you know you're sort of expected at some point in the year to present what you've done so far and having a community that you can do a table read with and they're all filmmakers so at varying stages of their careers too so I think those things were really helpful. Yeah. yeah, it sounds amazing to me, but I just, you know, and I've talked to you about this off off uh, mic before. But, you know, I just kind of feel like wh however that wonderful that sounds like as a genre filmmaker at my core, you know, whether or not I'm, I, you know, I, I, it's always about story. It's not just about thrills and and whatever for me, you know, but like I like I am interested specifically in like the sci-fi, you know, and horror genres. Like I just don't really feel like that's a place where that sort of work is celebrated in any way. <laughs> I think I think that like uh, uh and yeah, well so we talked about it a little bit. There were like some genre films that have their posters on the wall inside of Filmhouse, uh one of which is uh Jennifer Pong's Advantageous. Mm -hmm. But but that genre film does also well, I was going to say maybe it does the work, a little bit of the work of like talking about gender and gender identity. And so I think to some extent, I think that their mission statement is more than it. They, they, they do restrict a little bit to the kinds of stories that they are looking to. Yeah. I mean, you know, like science fiction to me is always like the best science fiction is a comment on society and on, um, you know, what's going on in the world. And I mean, and I, and I like to think that the alternate is the same thing, you know, that I'm making a comment on entitlement and how like people deserve things without actually having to work for them, you know, that people just show up and, and that should be enough. And where's, where's my, where's my, you know, my piece or where's, where's mine basically, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I'm sort of trying to comment on that and a bunch of other things as well. But, uh, when writing the application for a stuff, in involving the San Francisco Film Society, it's sort of hard sometimes to fit my piece into their mission statement, you know. And that I think that's sort of what's kept me out of there hmm. so far. But hmm. you know, but have you tried? Have you tried? Is a question. I think I, I applied once um, years ago, but it was all, all, all honestly when um, the alternate was very uh, new and underformed, and that now hmm. I feel like it's way more solid and fully fleshed out you know i think it's time for you to try again there there was a sci-fi movie that i saw at the the san francisco film society helped out with i haven't watched it yet it's like been sitting on my playstation for like months now but um it seemed like you know it was definitely in the world that you and i live in i mean it seemed like a, a feature-length version of loan for me and so it gave me hope that there is a place for us there but we do have to just go that extra step and explain like 
the the cultural significance of it beyond like we're just trying to thrill people and scare them right. or you know and i think you have that so i think you should try and keep trying yeah cuz i think one of the things i've really wanted as a filmmaker is like mentorship and and community and i feel like i do have a community of filmmakers that i that i know and yeah. you know i think with this podcast we have a community that we're creating as well which i think is really wonderful but i feel like i kind of yearn for that you know that sort of mentorship and that place to go and, 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 uh, you know, kind of like have that sort of community feeling. So it sounds wonderful. I just don't know if I belong there. And I mean, but maybe that's just my own insecurities more than anything, <laughs> you know? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I know we have like two minutes, but I mean, I wanted to so much. Like we didn't really talk about four pounds of flour at all. Like we didn't talk about that experience shooting that movie. <laughs> we didn't talk about how you went about casting that and how awesome that was. And and then also American Paradise. And, you know, you just got back from Sundance and South by Southwest for that movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, it must have been an amazing experience. Um, yeah, we were going to talk uh, next about time. that. I think when I was telling you about that experience, you were like, oh, man, you should be on this podcast that I'm doing. Like, uh I like to talk about the festival stuff. And just, I think I was telling you how like stressful Sundance was. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of parties. They're just, there's so much, uh, I think there's, there's so many topics to talk to you about and this. We didn't focus in on one. So we ended up just like talking generally about a lot of stuff, which is cool. But yeah, next time let's have you come on and we can just focus on the festival thing. If that's like the, yeah. the thing that we feel like we can learn the most from you about. Sure. That sounds great. Um, well, any last words, Rob? Anything you want the audience to know about? Uh, four, is four pounds of flowers playing anywhere coming up soon that we should be aware of? Or Oh, yeah. It's playing in Ashland and at the uh, Arizona International Film Fest. I looked at the date and it took me a second to realize that they, they selected 420 for that film, which I thought was funny. Nice. <laughs> 420, um, dude, everyone. Uh, nice. <laughs> Get out there and go see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> SF International is playing American Paradise um, on the 18th and I think the 8th or 9th or something. Oh, nice. I'm going to miss the first screening. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, that's a lot of success. And I, I got to just shout out to Arizona International Film Festival. Strange Thing played there years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing film festival and a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, the crowds aren't always very big. Like, it, it ranged. Like, there was some that were sold out and some that were 10 to, to 20 people in the audience. But uh, but it was a really fun film festival. It's a fun little town. So I would say you should go if you can because it's pretty sweet. Totally. And um, let's do it again soon. I'm sorry that I have to run and that I had all these technical issues. If you guys want to do any like <laughs> pickups of this, that'll be we don't fun. do pickups. We don't. We don't believe. We don't believe in those. We maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, s- send us your file. We're going to keep recording because we have to do the outro. Okay, but sweet. go ahead and run. Send us your file when you can, and we're um, all works going to edit this one. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Send send it to me today if you can, because I'm gonna or right away, because I'm gonna try to edit it immediately. I so, will. Yeah. All right, sweet. Thanks, guys. Okay. Talk Thanks. to you soon. All right. Take care, Rob. Bye. Good to meet you, Timothy. Good to meet you too. Oh wow, that was fun. I I feel like we just like t- just just got the tip of the iceberg with Rob because he's like <laughs> like I didn't really say this, but like he's one of the directors I really look up to as far as like you know story. The way that he's on set and the way that he he talks to his actors, it's it's pretty Im- impressive. And he's really got his own style, and uh, he's just always very positive and smiley. And even when he's like upset at you, if you're like asking him to to do something he doesn't want to do, like you know, as a ad or a producer or whatever, he still is like 
just so wonderful um, in the way that he interacts with everybody. So I don't know. Just big shout out to Rob as a wonderful, positive director. Such a great well, guy. Well, if you feel like those are like things that we can learn from, I think we just have to structure an episode around like th- those specific topics. Is like, how do you stay positive on set? Or um, like, I would love to dive into story with him. But those are like, you know, those are entire topics in and of themselves. And so you have to just structure the episode around talking about those things. <laughs> right. I think if you get into like talking about somebody's life story, it's naturally just you're going to run out of time, especially when somebody's had as much success as he has. You know, we only hit two films and, you know, there's still one more plus a whole other thing that he's working on, plus the thing he's writing. So, yeah, I think. Well, we just, to be honest, important to focus. I didn't really know uh, much about his background uh, before Columbia. Like, I just knew that he went to Columbia. Yeah. I knew that he made that movie and that it was a big success. I didn't know that that was his first live action movie. That's incredible. That, that's fun, right? Yeah. I like this kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I, so maybe it's just like, this is the first episode and then we'll do another one where it's a little bit more focused on something that you were hoping to talk about in this one. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't Done know. I think that. we, we kind of covered a lot of it, you know? We covered a ton. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's going to be an interesting, it's like an interesting glimpse into like one filmmaker experience. And I think like, it'll probably give hope to a, a lot of people that like, you know, you don't need to fit into any box um, in order to, to be successful. Like Rob is so interesting as a filmmaker, like, you know, going from Berkeley high to Columbia back to Berkeley. And then like now he teaches, um, you know, film at, uh, you know, Diablo Valley College uh, in the East Bay. And it's like, but then he's also at the San Francisco Film Society in this film house thing. And it's like, there's a really unique kind of life that's very different from mine or yours or I think anyone we've talked to. So his life was what I imagine the independent filmmaker life would be like when I was in college. Like his life is what you hear about like people I know it's not a grant but to me that the San Francisco film house is kind of like a grant thing teaching classes making your short films like you know it's all just like this kind of lifestyle that just just seems pretty prototypical and it's cool to hear that somebody's making it work and I, I think it's like what we all aspire to is that you do get accepted to great film festivals and win awards and hasn't happened for me so i'm jealous yeah. I, I wish that you know right out of college i had a film that you know propelled me in in that direction i mean he was um, in college when that happened like he was still in columbia yeah. when 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 like that all that was happening <laughs> with my name is your first love and then yeah, no one but lydia insane. was like at the tail end of columbia and then i think yeah so it's just it's really interesting um the way yeah, that it, it worked is. out and it's a it's a cool experience to share so thanks for having oh me on. oh i remember what i was gonna say it was a cynical thing and i want to say it because i think it's i don't know i just want i to. love cynicism <laughs> so rob played no no one but lydia played at san francisco international um and then he applied to the the film house i believe he can come back and correct me if i'm wrong but I'm pretty sure he already had that like in with the San Francisco Film Society before he applied. And I think, I don't know, but I, I'm sure that must have played some some kind of part in him getting accepted, right? Like if you've, your movie's already played their film festival and then they see your application and they, you know, they bring, you know, right? Like, am I wrong? Is that I crazy? I think it's got to play. Yeah, it seems like it should play some role. It, it didn't work out for me with Cinequest. I, I had right. Man's Best Friend play and then I've submitted two shorts to Cinequest past then and I've always said in every cover letter when I submit it, hey, Man's Best Friend played at your festival before. Didn't help me in that case, but I'm, 
I agree. I have to imagine that if you've already played a film festival, you got to go into a different stack, especially a big film festival like San Francisco or South by Southwest or yeah. Sundance, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure how that worked out. Like maybe he did apply for it before he got into San Francisco International and then like he got in while both applications were out there. Who knows? But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just, I feel like I just need to get over this whole like, you know, putting San Francisco Film Society on a pedestal <laughs> that like, you know, it's separated from all filmmakers and only certain types of filmmakers are um, accepted into that into that group, which I don't think is necessarily the case. From what Rob's saying, it sounds like, you know, as long as you're focused on story and character that, um, you know, and and, it, and there is some social relevance within your story that it doesn't matter what genre it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right in there. I think you're right in line with what they want to do. I think you just have to like position it the right way. So they see it and they don't see it. They don't see it as a pure genre film. That's just there to like for shock value or, you know, back to the future where it's just popcorn flick that there is like, there's, you know, something deeper in it. I think you could even sell back to the future to them mm. if you really wanted to. Right. I, I think, know? part of my problem is I suck at applications and I hate writing applications. <laughs> so it's like yeah. not being good at them and not liking it. Um, it's like just a double, double threat of badness when I'm applying to these things. But I don't know. I don't think that should stop me from applying. Cause that's sort of like, like we talked to, we're, we're going to talk to um, Rick Bosner uh, next week. And he talks about yeah. those and like, it's the same thing. As soon as he says that, I'm just like, like, Okay. Yeah, we all should apply to these like programs that no one gets into. It's but it's like, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe you should apply. And like, if as as long as you keep on applying, you know, you might not ever get in. Like, not everyone's gonna get in. But like, you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with applying and putting the energy into it. Because no, and like those are the things that can make people's careers. Like getting into Sundance Labs is like something that could make your career. So you'd be yeah. stupid to not even to not to not try. Like, yeah. it, it's not. It doesn't cost that much, and there's always a chance that it could work out and if it does like you just think about all a lot of independent filmmakers that you know had like this their first film come out that was a success started with the Sundance Labs project right so it is true right. like, but yeah not everyone's gonna make it it's not like a for sure thing it's not like the only way you can make it but yeah you might as well try why not yeah I think I think that's the message I that I want to put out at least is just like you know um, you don't need to get in like, you know, yeah, you, you, right. you don't let that stop you from making your movie, right? Like, if you apply to a program, you don't get in. You apply to film school, you don't get in. Don't let that stop you because, like, not everyone's going to get into film school. Not everyone's going to get these uh, these these programs or, or what these big, big things happen to them. But you should still make your movies regardless, right? Like, don't let yeah, that absolutely. get in your way. And, I mean, that's – I'm talking to myself here, too. <laughs> right. And don't let all those applications um, prevent you – from from working on your film right i think you can get really caught up in just doing applications and waiting for something to take off so you can move forward but i think it's like just target a few of them and say i'm going to try and if i make it great and if i don't i'm going to keep moving forward yeah because I, I yeah I've, i definitely see people that just spend so much time like trying to get into festivals or so much time trying to win these these grants or fellowships or uh you know these um I don't know, like lab things, and it gets in the way of filmmaking. You got to focus. Yeah. Focus on, on making it. You got to freaking focus, man. 
Focus, um, Ulrich. Yeah, focus. No, I know that's <laughs> focus. Um, I'm learning to focus. I'm. I've. Uh, I told you yesterday. I'm going to reject all the um, producing jobs that don't. You know that I've got thrown at me lately just because unless they're paid right if you're gonna pay me that's great but if if freebie like you know collaboration projects like i just you know i got my own movies to make man i can't i can't be you know i love to that everything sounds cool like think these things sound awesome like they're great opportunities but i gotta Mm -hmm. focus if i'm gonna they can be distracting yeah exactly all right i think we're good now (laughs) okay cool Thanks, everyone, for listening. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you'll find links to the things we talked about on this episode. There's a whole bunch of books that we talked about up front, and there'll be links to Rob's trailers that you can check out. If you want to get in contact with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook with the handle at podcast. Or if you want to just leave a review on iTunes, we love those too. I actually have two amazing iTunes reviews. I can't wait to read. Oh. Ulrich, do not read them before I read them on the show. Okay, I won't read them. That's because easy. I, I can't wait to hear your raw, unfiltered reaction. Yeah. One of them is just so good. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> so if you leave one now, we you have a chance to make it into the next episode because we have two waiting there and whichever other ones make it. Uh, before Ulrich and I do a standalone episode, we'll also read on the show. Nice. And that's it. Thanks for getting Rob on. Rob, thanks. Wherever you are, probably on your way to school right now. Yeah. And thanks, Ulrich. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Rob. And uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. And let us know what you think of this episode. Like, was this too unfocused? Should we make it more focused next time? What do you guys think? Let us know. Talk to you guys next week. All right, bye.